always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two of Green and Growing starts now. So happy to be with you on a Saturday morning. And hey, coming up back-to-back calls from Cherokee County, my home base. And I mentioned in the last hour, I can't wait to talk to Casey about some plant recommendations for a poolside. But first, we say good morning to Judy calling from Canton. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I have some landscape issues. I live in a subdivision on a, I have a small lot. And on the east and west side, I have poor growth of plants and poor drainage. So I'd like to know how to go about finding a good landscaper to fit my budget needs. So it's almost like a job interview, right? You're probably going to want to get estimates and ideas and have conversations with two, three, even four. Some that come recommended from neighbors, some that you find signs on the side of the road, signs on the side of the interstate, or talking with folks. Maybe they have a younger son who's trying to start up a landscape business or something. So word of mouth goes a long way. But it's it's funny you're thinking about that, Judy. I recently had a conversation with uh, Mary Kay Woodworth, and she's the executive director of the Georgia Urban Ag Council, and reminded me, you know, there are no certifications or licensing requirements in Georgia for landscapers. And don't get me wrong, there are great companies who have no professional certifications, but still do a good job and they know their trade. But then you have to give credit where credit's due to the folks who do have that higher education, a degree, the certifications, they follow a code of ethics that's just expected in the industry. So you can get lucky and find somebody who's affordable that doesn't have all the certifications or you pay a little more uh, for the peace of mind and the guaranteed knowledge that a lot of these guys and, and gals bring. So some of the questions I would think about asking first, Judy, are first of all, like what services do they offer? If they see your problem, but maybe they're not necessarily landscape architects, you're going to be wasting your time. There's no amount of money that you could give them that they're just not going to be able to, to have that knowledge if a landscape architect is kind of the direction you end up needing to go as far as drainage and redirecting you know, water and erosion control and all of that. But ask them to be specific about the services that they offer. Insurance and licensing, I mean, that comes up as well if they're covered, if they're insured, if they do have any professional uh, affiliations or credentials, and also like other work that they've done, you know, if they have pictures or references of other clients that they've had, and then knowing the expectations, if they guarantee the work, what comes with the, you know, the amount that y'all agree on, whether it's a contract or not, what they're going to do for that price, someone who's trained in environmental stuff should be able to kind of look at your property and tell you what's possible and what's not, you know, for example, if trying to grow grass on a slope or you're trying to grow grass in a spot that's just simply too shaded out, I mean, there are just some things that aren't going to work. And someone who's honest with you should be able to tell you that and then offer other alternatives or other suggestions. The houses are close together, so there's not a lot of light. Mm -hmm. Plus, right next to the house now, there's very poor drainage. Like on one side is my air conditioning unit and uh, where the humidifier and Mm-hmm. It's like it's wet over there all the time, yeah. you know. Then and nothing grows mm-hmm. <laughs> either much, <laughs> except moss or just it's just muddy. And the other side is just mostly red clay, you know, and it's hard. There's very little room to do anything. I don't I don't see a lot of my neighbors using landscapers, you know, as far as uh, companies to come in and do things. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to go online and search, would this Georgia 
Urban Ag Camps will be a good place to look for companies? It absolutely would be. And that's going to take you a step further than just the guys that mow and blow. You know, I mean, there are the landscapers that literally all they want to do is mow your grass, blow leaves when the time's right. They may offer times when they lay down mulch or pine straw, but they're not going to get into pruning and fertilization necessarily or seeding and aerating when the time comes. But yeah, these guys through the Georgia Urban Ag Council that they recommend, they're going to probably go, you know, a few steps further. But when you go to urbanagcouncil.com, urbanagcouncil.com, right over to the right is find a professional. And that'll at least get you started with a directory, you know, find someone in the Northwest where you are. But also too, Judy, what may be a a simpler start is going like to a Pike nursery or something like that and having conversations with their employees because they are super knowledgeable. They are all trained. They have a stake in the company where they work. Kind of giving them the challenges that you face. The fact that you've got that red clay, that can totally be overcome. You know, sometimes it's it's a blessing for us here in Georgia. It works with a lot <laughs> of plants despite how compact it seems. But like those areas beside the house that you stay, they stay shaded and they may stay wet. Well, there are plants that are going to be just fine, you know, staying in more moist conditions. And let's not try to grow grass there because it's just not going to happen if it stays too wet and doesn't get get (laughs) enough sun. Yeah. Pike Nursery may be able to offer some other alternatives, you know, and ideas. They also have landscape design and, and architecture, but also they have a pick and plant service where they literally tell you what plants will work. You pick them out, and they can plant them. You can plant them yourself. So that would be a good place to start, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep, so a Pike Nursery location, the closest one to you would probably be in Town Lake off Exit 8. But, yeah, go to urbanagcouncil.com and go to find a professional and maybe at least start the conversations there. Very good. Oh, good luck to you, Judy. That was a really great question, a very thoughtful question, too, because I don't want you guys, I sound like Clark Howard, but I don't want you guys to get ripped off, and I don't want you spending money and then not, you know, getting the outcome that you expected. And like I said, there are a lot of people that aren't certified, that aren't licensed necessarily, but that do a great job, but you only are going to find out in having conversations with them. Test their knowledge. Ask them what they know. Ask them, so are you going to be the guy that fertilizes and I don't have to worry about it? Are you going to be the guy that prunes things or do you leave that alone? And our expectations on the table are just that you're going to maintain my lawn and, you know, blow leaves. So you kind of have to work a relationship with them and kind of level of expectations. Set that right out front. Next is Casey calling from Waleska. Hey there. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Long time listener, first time caller. How are Ah, you? I'm so glad. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Or does this feel pretty easy? Uh, A little nervous, but it's okay. (laughs) You sound great. (laughs) So what are you doing up so early on a Saturday? Well, I'm going to work. That's that's okay. Good. Um, Well, I hope I'm keeping you company along the way. You do. Good. You do. You you always do. I really appreciate it. Listen to the show every weekend. Thank you. We're installing an above-ground pool, and uh, we've got uh, all the backfills in, and we've got a, I don't know, maybe six feet of flat area outside of the concrete area of the pool, mm-hmm. and then there's probably, from there, there's probably another 12 feet of slope. And I've really been kind of beating my head against the wall trying to figure out what I could plant there. And uh, driving in this morning, I thought, hey, I'll just call Ashley and ask her. (laughs) That's perfect. And that worked out pretty, pretty well. I love that. So you've got a lot of options. Um, And and it's not for privacy, right? Is it just for looks? Yes, it's just for looks. We have a privacy fence that's going in. So, yeah, it's just for looks. Okay. All ornamental grasses are perennial, meaning they're going to come back year after year. So plant it this spring and you're done. 
Um, they do like well-drained soil, so make sure, you know, if it is level with the pool or a really flat area, that it does at least stay well-drained. If when you plant them, you need to mound them up just a little bit or whatever that's going to take, and full sun. So that's going to be perfect near a pool because you're wanting full sun for the pool as well. Um, I do have some recommendations for you, Casey, is sure what I might do since you're driving. I'll go ahead and rattle these off, and then I'll put you back on hold and let you talk to Anne. Because if you okay. can give Anne your email address, um, I'll probably email them to you as well. Just for folks who are wondering, a spot with full sun and you're tired of plants, or maybe you've just not had any luck with other perennial plants, or you know it's not a good area for grass for whatever reason, ornamental grasses are going to be great. So the, the ones I came up with, pink muley grass, is one of my favorites. And in the fall, it's real whimsical, light, airy, pink, you know, waves in the wind. I mean, it's beautiful. So pink muley grass can get pretty large. Yeah. Um, bamboo muley is a great option with a bamboo kind of look, but it's not invasive. It's not going to spread like crazy, like traditional bamboo, but it's just fun looking. You know, it's got that oriental look to it. Uh, purple fountain grass, Casey, is one that a lot of people recognize with thin purple blades and that wheat color, you know, feathery plume on the top. So purple fountain grass has a lot of texture, a lot of color going on. It's going to be nice too. And Japanese forest grass, this is one I didn't know a whole lot about. But it's kind of multicolored, depending on the season. It'll have some yellows in it. It'll have some reds, green in the summertime. So Japanese forest grass is really pretty, too. So there's some grass ideas right there. Um, yeah, that, that sounds great. Yeah, they're, they're all different colors, all different textures. The ones I gave you, different you know leaf blade sizes. And spring's the perfect time to plant those. So it sounds like it's going to be great and coinciding when you know your project's done and you want everything ready by um, summertime. And also kind of thinking about some tropical perennials that aren't grasses, you know, but things that are going to look nice by the pool and give it that tropical look and they're low maintenance. Uh, caladiums. Caladiums are going to be really okay. pretty, you know, that big broad leaf. Now, up in Waleska, you probably would have to dig those up before a freeze, put them in the garage and then put them back in or heck, just plant new ones um, year after year if you like the look right. of caladiums. Okay. And elephant ears. And canna lilies, okay. those are the big leafy plants as well, too, that are going to give you color. And the canna lilies, they'll grow tall. I mean, they can grow up to five feet high, but they're going to have one single flower on the top in the summertime, whether it's red or yellow or orange. So canna lilies are a great option. And those are perennial. Those rhizomes stay in the ground. You'll just need to mulch them really, really good, pile them with mulch for the wintertime, and they should overwinter just fine. So, yeah, you're going to have to email all that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just like, I mean, it's like a palette. You have a clean slate. You've got a, a good palette to work with. Oh, and, definitely. And I'm close, definitely. you know, in your neck of the woods. So I'm, I'm keeping in mind it does get a little colder up where we are versus, you know, metro Atlanta on the south side. Um, so just extra protection for these, you know, plants in the wintertime. But also sure. Mexican petunias. Have you seen those? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, Mexican petunias, they don't look anything like a regular petunia that you would have growing in a pot, but they're real tall, almost kind of like a bamboo look and that they have a tall, um, stalky stem and green leaves, but they flourish with purple flowers throughout the summer and into the fall. They're all purple flowers, but they grow kind of thick and they do start to okay. spread, but that can fill in an area really nicely too. So yes, I did not mean to overwhelm you, but boy, you asked a question and I came at you with some answers. No, I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's yeah. huge. I want before and after pictures, Casey. That's the deal. I gave you these plant recommendations. I get pictures. Deal? When we get the pool done, I will email you pictures. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to put you back on hold. And since you're driving, Anne can get your email address and I'll, I'll give you all those uh, recommendations. And heck, I'll put them on the Facebook page too for anybody that uh, 
may have perked up at some of those grass recommendations. I mean, that's something to get excited about, folks. In the spring, when you're able to plant some ornamental grasses and it's something you've never had in your landscape, I mean, I think you can really do a lot with those. And it just kind of breaks up the monotony of perennial or annual flowers if you just get kind of tired of those or bored with the same old, same old. All right. Thanks for the call, Casey. Like I said, I will share this list of recommendations for any of you that may need it on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. You search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB. Like the page, follow the page. I appreciate it. When we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape right now. It's Ashley Frasca. You're listening to WSB. Thank you to Finley Roofing for sponsoring the weather update. Now, one of my favorite parts of the show. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. This is designed to not stress you out, to make things easy. If you do up to three things every weekend, maybe even every week, just three things out in the landscape, you will feel so accomplished and stay more on top of things than you even realized you could. So number one, let's start with this. And Use the kids for this. This could be kind of fun. Be on the lookout for ambrosia beetle damage on crepe myrtles. That part's not fun, but maybe looking for them is. They'll need their detective eyes because what you're looking for, toothpick-shaped sawdust, almost like hairs coming out of the trunk. That's where the ambrosia beetle has bored into the tree. Once you see them, though, a fix is near impossible. But the best way to at least get ahead of it, preventatively spray susceptible trees very early in the spring. Number two, remove spent camellia blooms from the bush and from the ground. Those are the blooms from your beautiful japonica camellias. That's the segment of camellia that blooms later in the year rather than sasanqua starts blooming maybe back in September, October. But these are prone to petal blight. And so when you pick up the spent blooms from the ground or off the bush, you're kind of helping just keep a more hygienic, you know, atmosphere. And uh, you want to be on the lookout, too. Uh, This is always something to think about with camellia's T-scale as well. Some of you may start to see that and call about that. And number three, you can repot houseplants that you're ready to move outdoors. So when you're working on that, only pick up a pot that's about an inch or so larger than what it's currently in. But that way the roots will have more room to grow as they start to rapidly get that vitamin D and all the bright sunlight that they've been craving. Um, And, you know, introduce some fresh soil, of course. If you feel like the soil's just stagnant, it looks dried out, it's not going to hurt to just dump it all and put brand new soil in the pot. And very important, I don't know who who believes that this is not the case, but it is always very true with houseplants, with anything potted outside, you've got to have drainage holes in the pot. That is number one. If you buy a plastic pot, it doesn't have drainage holes. Pretty easy to use a drill. But, you know, in the last hour, we talked to Buddy Lee about gardenias, and he kept saying, yeah, they don't like wet feet. A lot of plants don't. A lot of plants require really good drainage. And one of the easiest things to do is just make sure if they're potted and they're in containers, they're going to drain just fine. Gravity takes its course as long as it has drainage holes. All right, so that's it for me. Coming up, back in February, I took a trip to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens and went to a camellia exhibition with the North Georgia Camellia Society. And I wanted to bring that back because really talking about propagation and finding old varieties that have kind of gotten lost was super interesting to me. We just talked about camellias in the to-do list. So that's coming up next. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Caterpillar to a butterfly. 
Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. When I say that I love my self-appointed field trips, I really do. So speaking of field trips, I'm actually away today. But recently I have met some awesome people, of course, Josh Fooder, the county extension agent for Cherokee County, where I live, and I followed back up on things. He invited me back months ago to the ribbon-cutting ceremony at Cherokee Veterans Park of this backyard agriculture education station. The mission there at this garden seeks to promote the social, environmental, and health benefits of gardening to the citizens of Cherokee County. It's an outdoor learning environment where they can learn science-based horticultural techniques, all from UGA extension agents and trained volunteers, which are the master gardeners. Had a great time doing that this previous week, so I'm going to check in with Josh here. And then after that, you'll hear from my trip to the North Georgia Camellia Society exhibition. And what I learned about propagating camellias It's not hard, and it doesn't take too much effort. That's the kind of gardening I like. All right, here it is, March 22nd. Fast forward a month and a half since our last conversation. We're at the Backyard Agriculture Education Station. And, Josh, i got to congratulate you. About 60 people on hand for the ribbon cutting today. Thank you. Yeah, it looks like uh, about that number, and the daffodils are up. We have sunshine. Couldn't ask for better conditions. So Great pride of the raised beds and the Boy Scouts helped build some of those, right? Yeah, one of our Eagle Scouts, uh, Trent Daniel, and his troop uh, out of the Holly Springs area uh, came in and almost saved the day and, and, and built these beds in just warp speed. And uh, so we've got fresh vegetables growing for this season already. And tell me how exactly the plans are to get the community involved in this. So this will be sort of a learning garden. So the master gardeners, our volunteers, um, you know, will help to manage it, maintain it, grow lead classes and then the produce will you know go to must ministries or the senior center or something like that you know that's sort of the goal is you know it's it's community oriented and it's a place where the community can come learn how to grow better food and plants at their own home demonstration gardens for sure are going to be a huge hit and now tell me too i remember when we first spoke about this you were kind of inspired by a few other county parks that you had seen what were some of those oh gosh there's a number of them and I kind of took bits and pieces from all of them. Uh, one of my favorites was the Master Gardener Project in Chattanooga, where they sort of grow next to the Chattanooga Food Mission, and then the food just goes directly into the uh, the area food bank there. Uh, Henry County and the Master Gardeners there have a great demonstration garden in a park, uh, which was really nice. I think that's a little bit more of a like a community garden, and similar to like Green Meadows in Cobb County, which is more of a community garden with Master Gardener involvement. Um, so we're kind of stealing some of the different pieces of, of each of those examples. And my last question for you, because I want you to be amongst the people. This is a great crowd today and some master gardeners on hand too. An extension service really helpful for folks who are maybe having trouble with some plants, diagnostic tools and all that kind of thing. Yep. What's wrong with my plant? What bug is this? That's sort of the bread and butter of, of what we do day in and day out. Yep. Congratulations. A great day today. Hey, thank you, Ashley. <laughs> All right, with the Cherokee County Master Gardeners, Judy Lester is here for today's ribbon cutting. What do the Master Gardeners hope to get from this demonstration garden and backyard education station? This will give us an avenue to reach homeowners to show them the kind of gardening that they can do in their backyard successfully. It will give us an opportunity to hold classes here and then have hands-on work in the raised beds and in the orchard. 
Jody Morgan. What are you most looking forward to sharing with people in the community? Just the love of gardening and how you can still play in the dirt if you're an adult. You don't have to stop playing in the dirt when you grow up. Katie Van Heil. <laughs> and Katie, what do Cherokee County Master Gardeners hope to share with the community in opening this demonstration garden? This is so much for education and just for, it's, it's mostly, we say for kids, but I'm going to say adults learn just as much as kids do and how to plant correctly, how to use the earth for what it's supposed to be. And what's your favorite part of the garden out here? Well, I love the raised beds. I think that's, that's going to be the star, I think. Any programs we do, you know, except for pruning, yeah, I think this is it. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Here at the North Georgia Camellia Exhibition at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, and I'm with John Scarpucci. Tell me about this morning and how much you all have waited for this exhibition today. We do this once a year, and these flowers bloom from October through March. And here in Atlanta, the weather is very difficult. So we plan for the show for six months, and we pray for the weather for a month that um, we don't have heavy frost or freezing rain or anything like that. So today we've got between 250 and 300 blooms. Uh, The weather has been quite kind to us this year so far. Thankfully we'll have a wonderful show. Um, There are 6,000 varieties of camellia. The American Camellia Society classifies them by size by species, whether they're japonica or sasanqua or reticulata or hybrids. So each one of those varieties, uh, not the varieties, but each one of the classes has a lot of different variables to it. And folks have been, you know, bringing in their blooms for maybe a day or two. And it's exciting for you guys who know a lot of these varieties to get something that has maybe been lost in time and rediscovering a variety that could be generations old. Yeah, we have a, our story is that a lot of people in Atlanta may remember Rich's department store. And in honor of uh, Mr. Rich's wife, uh, Virginia, who was a civic leader in her time, when she passed away in 1957, they named a Japonica camellia the Virginia Rich. And it's a wonderful medium-sized bloom that uh, has wonderful pink and light pink coloring to it. This flower we could not find it and one of our members jim pruckler who loves to find old blooms has been looking for it for about 10 years last year i was giving a presentation to the dunwoody garden club and had a slide on our our lost loves and a mrs norma jones in the club raised her hand and said you know i think i have that bloom in my backyard And to make a long story short, in fact, she did. So we've now been able to recover that flower, and that means that we can put it out and propagate it. So we've got it propagated at Massey Lane, which is the home of the American Camellia Society. We have it at at Cater-Wolford Gardens here in Atlanta, at Woodlands Gardens here in Atlanta, uh, some of our personal gardens, so that this bloom won't be lost again. It's really exciting when when we can do that because a lot of your listeners who have camellias in their backyard look out, wonder what it is. All of a sudden it blooms in February. They don't understand what it is. And then they go and look at it and they haven't got a clue what the bloom is at all. They just know it's a big red flower. Mm -hmm. When we can identify these, it's really fun for us. And we've got a number of those that we've recovered. We found uh, one that was named after my wife's mother's maiden name and it's from it was it was propagated in 
1952 by one of her cousins in Savannah, Georgia. So those are the kinds of stories that that we love to hear, and it, it gives us a little bit of excitement when we come to a flower show, and especially for us judges, when we judge and all of a sudden we see a bloom we've never seen before, and that's really exciting for us. Discovering lost loves, as you say, camellia varieties that maybe have gotten lost over the generations, or even I go to my neighbor's house, and they have a plant that is beautiful, and I want to take a cutting of it, and then I have no idea what to do with that cutting. Propagation is the Mm -hmm. term we use for that. Mm -hmm. But what are a couple of simple ways that you can make a new plant from a cutting? There are really three simple ways to do it. First of all, just take a cutting, and you, you take the cuttings of new growth sometime in June or July, just as it starts to harden off. Take a cutting and put some root hormone on it and stick it in the soil and close it. Try to make a little hothouse if you can and keep it moist. And that way you can, you can get a lot of cuttings uh, propagating, but that takes a long time. There are two other ways that are significantly fat quicker. One is what we call air layering, where we take a branch, we peel the bark off of it, and then we wrap the bark in sphagnum moss and then wrap the sphagnum moss with aluminum foil, mm-hmm. seal the ends off, and in about five or six months, you can go back and you can cut that branch off and there'll be a root ball at the bottom of it. And then the third popular way of doing it is called grafting, where you take a cutting take a, a what we call rootstock and you can you can even do it on a branch of an existing camellia plant and cut into it and then what you have to do is merge the cambium layers of the two plants together and then seal it off with um, tape or something like that uh, in the old days they used to just do it with wax and what will happen is the rootstock plant will feed the cutting so as long as you do camellia to camellia, whether it's a sasanqua to sasanqua or sasanqua to japonica, that's fine. But it's an old technique. A lot of people use it. And now, so say I take a viable cutting, you know, one that's got a few leaves on it, long, new growth in June. About how long will it be before I can expect to be able to plant that somewhere new? Oh, if it's a cutting, it'll be two years, three before you can really put it in the ground. Air layers, the advantage of air layers is that you can plant that. You'll have a, an 18 to 24-inch tall plant in six months, and it'll probably bloom in a year or two, and grafting is pretty much the same way. That's why cuttings get you volume. Grafting and air layer gets you growth quickly, and grafting is really what most of the professional growers use. Now, say when you're taking a cutting, what would you recommend for someone literally taking a cutting off of a neighbor's plant or a friend's plant? Is it a good idea to maybe do three in case a couple of don't survive, or do we need oh, to look more like at six or seven? No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I usually take four or five, okay. hoping for 50%, okay? So, and the more you do, the better off you are. And with, but with grafting, again, you can get away with fewer. And sometimes that's po- sometimes you have to do that because sometimes the source material is is a very small plant or uh, one that may not be healthy mm-hmm. i don't recommend not doing healthy plants but if it's the only you know if it's grandma's favorite pink perfection you just have to roll the dice and back on march 17th smith gilbert gardens in marietta was inducted into the american camellia trail john scarpucci and others from the north georgia camellia society were on hand for that so if you're interested follow them on facebook north georgia camellia society 
and check out the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page for more. We'll be back with a call and a question about landscaping when we return on 95.5 WSB. That update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. More in less than 15 minutes. Up next, we'll talk to Sam in Brazelton. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing great. How about you? Very well, and I am a regular. I listen to you every Saturday morning on my way to work. Thank you for the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. So you're headed in, not home, huh? No, I'm headed in. All right. Well, thanks for working today, Sam. Me and you both, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I just had a quick question. Uh, I've installed, had installed an outdoor kitchen, and I'm needing a, uh, I don't know if it's landscaper that can come in and build my garden around that, and I'm just not sure where to go. So the kitchen's taken care of. Now you're just looking at the landscaping, yeah? Yes, ma'am. Pike has landscaping services, Pike Nursery, and they've got landscape design as well to where there's a lot of different stages. Um, You can pay very little money or you can go all out and pay a lot. You start kind of as simple as just having them come out and give you a consultation and they can draw up a plan and a design. So you pay for that. And then you can kind of work in sections from there if you want to buy the plants yourself and then you install them yourself or you pay a little more and you have them install them. Um, I think a design fee runs about four or $500. That gives you four hours of their time. They come out, tell you where everything should go, you know, what your, what your landscape is conducive to. And you and Brazelton, um, you know, I'm not sure of the closest Pike Nursery to you, but I'm sure that they would be happy to help you. And they're getting folks lined up now, you know, because everything wants to be installed in time for spring. So they're lining up customers now so that you'll start to have that installation and that work done as you start to entertain people and have folks over. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, when you're at work or when you're back home, Sam, just go to pikenursery.com and click on like the landscape design tab, landscaping, and you'll be able to kind of, you know, find out what you need there as far as just either a really simple design plan or you just want the whole thing. And too, they have a a pick and plant service where they'll tell you what's good in your yard. You just pick out the pieces that you want that they've recommended and they can plant them or you can plant them. It's I, I like how it's kind of piecemeal, whatever works for you. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day at work. I'm so glad you called. Thanks for being part of the show. Okay. Bye-bye. More of your calls next on 95.5 WSB. Hope you're having a great Saturday.